Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of You Press Play News. My name is Natalia. I'm the news editor. My name is Jillian. I'm the editor in chief. My name is Michael. I'm the social media manager. And here's your news for this week. There are currently about 50 active COVID cases on campus. About 40 of those cases are students and the rest are university employees. 86% of cases are on the Boca Raton campus. But we are only a week into the fall 2021 semester. FAU has seen over 100 cumulative cases. The university has begun its vaccine incentive program. Students who get their vaccine on campus will receive a $150 gift card. Vaccines will be offered on all three FAU campuses. There is a full schedule online with information regarding when and where the mobile vaccine units will be on campus. You can visit fau.edu slash coronavirus slash vaccine, or you can visit UPress online for more information. Cases in the county and state continue to rise. Palm Beach County is currently averaging 1,320 COVID-19 cases daily. The average has increased 19% in the past two weeks. The number of ICU beds in Palm Beach County are extremely limited due to coronavirus patients. Earlier this week, there were only seven remaining ICU beds in the entire county. This poses a risk for coronavirus patients as well as other patients who need medical help. Florida is reporting an average of 22,556 new COVID-19 cases per day. The average has increased 6% in the last two weeks. To read our weekly COVID-19 update, visit our website or follow our social media at upressonline.com. The United Faculty of Florida is a labor union for professors here in the state and advocates for their rights as workers. The FAU chapter, also known as the UFF-FAU, hosted a protest last Monday in front of the administration building. The protesters were taking a stand against the university's current lack of coronavirus safety measures. Professor and UFF-FAU President DeAndre Poole told the UP, quote, we organized this protest to draw attention to the need for a mask mandate, but we also organized a petition to draw attention to the need to have vaccination sites all across this campus. We also organized this protest to ask for faculty to have the choice to put their classes online, end quote. The university currently does not allow its professors or staff members to work virtually. FAU has not publicly responded to the faculty protests. The father of a Florida high school student has been charged with child abuse after pushing a different high school student that took issue with his anti-mask rhetoric. Dan Bowman allegedly pushed a high school student into a fence and twisted her arm in an aggressive manner because she tried to snatch Bowman's phone when he was recording his daughter walking into Fort Lauderdale High School unmasked. The incident was captured on a school resource officer's body camera. Bowman is known for protesting school mask mandates in South Florida. Bowman was booked in the Broward County Jail on charges of aggravated child abuse. As discussed previously on U Press Play, Governor Ron DeSantis banned Florida school districts from instating mask mandates, threatening to defund schools and take the salaries of school superintendents. Despite DeSantis' threats, at least 10 school districts imposed mask mandates. Palm Beach County is included on that list. This week, Florida Judge John Cooper overturned DeSantis's executive order. Parents filed a lawsuit against the governor claiming that DeSantis overstepped his authority. Judge Cooper ruled in their favor. According to NPR, quote, Cooper said that face mask mandates that follow guidance from the Centers of Disease Control and Prevention are reasonable and consistent with the best scientific and medical opinion in the country. He found that the DeSantis administration violated the law when it banned school districts from requiring masks, end quote. Cooper argued that DeSantis violated the county's rights to take actions that are reasonable and necessary to achieve a compelling state interest. Cooper also explained that he will take action to ensure DeSantis is not able to punish counties that have imposed mask mandates. 
A 14-year-old Indiana girl who was missing for the past four months has been found as of Saturday, August 28th. Aliyah Ramirez was found safe and alive in Florida, but no further details were given on where in the state she was found or how she was found. Ramirez went missing back on April 27th after she was last seen heading to her bus stop for school. She never made it to her school, and three days later, a silver alert was issued for her. The alert stayed active up until she was found, as the alert stated that Ramirez might have been in danger. Ramirez's mother posted to Facebook that her daughter had been kept in a hotel room for the past four months by two women who were previously believed to be family members. The two women have now been arrested and will be facing out-of-state fugitive charges. Earlier this month, President Biden reinstated the eviction moratorium, blocking evictions throughout the country. Last Thursday, the Supreme Court voted 6-3 to three to overturn his decision, allowing evictions to continue. Census Bureau data from mid-August indicates that 3.5 million people could be facing eviction in the next two months. The unsigned Supreme Court opinion read, quote, It would be one thing if Congress had specifically authorized the action that the CDC has taken, but that has not happened, end quote. A suicide bomber killed 13 U.S. service members on Thursday at Kabul airport in Afghanistan. ISIS-K, a group that opposes both the United States and the Taliban, took responsibility for the attack. The U.S. retaliated with a drone strike that killed two high-profile ISIS-K members in Afghanistan. The State Department has recommended that all U.S. citizens should avoid traveling to the airport or areas adjacent to it. The State Department cited a specific credible threat to personnel near the airport. President Joe Biden warned that another attack near the Kabul airport is highly likely in the next 24 to 36 hours on Saturday. On Sunday, the U.S. launched another drone strike that targeted a vehicle that it said was an imminent ISIS-K threat to Kabul's international airport. U.S. Central Command spokesman Captain Bill Urban said in a statement that he was confident that the vehicle was stopped and that he was assessing if there were any civilian casualties. Also on Sunday, the United States, along with 97 other countries, announced that it had reached an agreement with the Taliban to continue to get Afghan allies out of the country after the August 31st deadline for withdrawal. A joint statement by the country said, quote, we are all committed to ensuring that our citizens, nationals and residents, employees, Afghans who have worked with us and those who are at risk can continue to travel freely to destinations outside of Afghanistan, end quote. Facing a demographic crisis with an increasing aging population, China is encouraging couples to have more children by allowing couples to have up to three children. Since the late 1970s, China had a one-child policy where couples could only have one child or two if the firstborn was a girl. If a family were to have more than one child, couples had to pay a social maintenance fee. In 2016, the country started to allow two children per family. But in May, a new census data showed that the birth rate had slowed. The only thing, women aren't too keen on it. Many women expressed anxiety of the rising cost of living and the gender inequality in the workplace. Women in China have reported facing job discrimination based on their marriage or paternal status, with employers being reluctant to pay for maternity leave. According to CNN, a Human Rights Watch study found that women are often told to wait their turn to take a maternity leave, and if she were to become pregnant ahead of schedule, she could be punished or fired. For families that did have more than one child, they still faced the pain of the one-child policy. According to NPR, in some instances, families that tried to have more than one children, officials would try to kidnap a woman, or if a baby were to be born, they would kill the baby. OnlyFans has pulled back on their decision to ban sexually explicit content. 
Last week, Upress Play News reported that owning fans had announced they would bar sexually explicit content starting in October in order to comply with policies of banking partners. On Wednesday, the UK-based company said in a tweet it had secured assurances necessary to support a diverse creator community. Thank you to everyone for making your voices heard. Seven Capitol Police officers are suing former President Trump, Roger Stone, Proud Boys, and others for being directly responsible for the January 6 attacks. Roger Stone is a Republican consultant and lobbyist, and Proud Boys are a far-right group. The lawsuit alleges that the defendants conspired to stop Congress from confirming President Joe Biden's Electoral College victory through the use of force, intimidation, and threats. The actions done on January 6 violated the KKK Act, which is intended to protect against political violence and intimidation and other laws, according to the lawsuit. Officer Jason DeRochi, an 18-year veteran of the Capitol Police and Navy, told USA Today that the lawsuit isn't about winning, but more so aiming to set the record straight on what happened on January 6th and make sure history doesn't repeat itself. Michael Byrd, the officer who fatally shot Ashley Babbitt during the January 6th insurrection at the Capitol building, has come forward to tell his story about the events that led to her shooting. Byrd is a lieutenant with the Capitol Police and a 28-year veteran. Babbitt was among a group of Trump supporters attempting to breach a barricade to the Speaker's lobby, which leads to the House chamber. Lieutenant Byrd said, quote, I followed my training. I spent countless years preparing for such a moment. You ultimately hope that that moment never occurs, but you prepare the best you can. I know that day I saved countless lives. Lieutenant Byrd said that he was trapped in the Speaker's lobby with no retreat and said that he had shot because he knew that members of Congress were in danger. Lieutenant Byrd said he fired his gun as a last resort and said, I tried to wait as long as I could. I hoped and prayed no one tried to enter through those doors, but their failure to comply required me to take the appropriate action to save the lives of members of Congress and myself and my fellow officers. Byrd noted that the mob of Trump supporters had acted violently up to that point. A Capitol Police investigation found that Lieutenant Byrd acted lawfully, and in an August 23rd press release, the Capitol Police said, quote, the actions of this officer in this case potentially saved members and staff from serious injury and possible death from a large crowd of rioters who forced their way into the U.S. Capitol and to the House chamber, where members and staff were steps away. Lieutenant Byrd had previously been unidentified before this week. His name had recently been leaked to online forums, and he stated that he has been receiving death threats and racist messages lately. I hope they understand I did my job, Byrd said. There was imminent threat and danger to the members of Congress. I just want the truth to be told. That has been your news for this week. Thank you for listening to You Press Play News and tune in next time for more news and more information.